Hey, good morning and welcome to Breakthrough Walls. I'm Ken Walls and I'm your host. And today I have a very special lady. Misty Time is coming in all the way from Boise, Idaho. So stay with us. We'll be right, be right back. And we're back. Let me bring her on. Welcome to Reverend Misty Time. Is it time? Hello. Right? It Am I is. saying that right? Time? It is Misty Time. And yes, it's actually my name. Yeah. That's not like some made up author nope. name. Nope. And I have a whole bunch of jokes around it, but I won't go there. Yeah. But no, it's truly, <laughs> truly. Yeah. Like horses, dogs. Yeah. Um, oh my God. And my parents were not hippies and it's truly my name. <laughs> wow. Well, it's a beautiful name. So, so, so Misty, you know, I started the show two and a half or so, almost three years ago now. Wow. Um, and this is all about helping people get unstuck, having a breakthrough in life. And, um, from the little bit that you and I've talked, it sounds like you may have had a breakthrough or two in your life. Yep, for sure. <laughs> yeah. So, so let's, let's start with where you were born and raised. Well, I was born in California, in Van Nuys, California. I was um, a two and a half pound baby and oh, wow. my twin brother and I together weighed just over five pounds in 1966. So yes, a miracle is sitting right in front of you. Oh my gosh. That is tiny. Were you premature? Uh, pre you had yeah, super, super premature. And in that day and age, there weren't incubators like there is now. I just became a grandma of two ends that were also very premature at just uh, one and a half pounds. And I look at them and I'm like, how, how did we do it? Because now we have all the bells and whistles. We didn't yeah. Have it so I was both my brother and I were very lucky to live. My goodness. Yeah. Wow. So, so, um, life started out kind of rough for you then. <laughs> and it continued that way. And I actually talk about that in my book, The Forgiveness Solution. Um, it really started rough and kind of stayed rough for a long time because both my brother and I were born into a very difficult situation, mm. alcoholics. And my mom, she was a professional singer and her name was Betty Time. See, so I really do get the name. Yeah. Like, like honestly. And so um, she was singing in the Sahara Hotel in Las Vegas when she was pregnant with my brother and I. And she was singing Misty, not the scary movie song. No, the wow. real Misty song. And so she named me Misty Time. But she was Oh my goodness, a lot like Elizabeth Taylor. She was married six times. She had a man on one arm and a martini on the other. Oh my <laughs> Lord, have mercy. Yeah. Go mom. Fun so, at a party. Fun <clears throat> at a party, not necessarily as your mother. Right. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. And, and so you grew up, look, look at this. Look, you're already getting compliments. 
Twin grandbabies. Woo! No, sweetie. I wish. Thanks. It's smoke, mirrors, lights, <laughs> cover up. Oh, <laughs> uh, so so you you um so this was she she was singing in Vegas. Yeah, she sang everywhere. She actually hit the top ten in about 1965, wow. four or five, right in there. Um, I have a whole bunch of her albums. She's passed away. Um, now I talk about her in my book and in the new book, Crappy to Happy, because she actually died of Alzheimer's dementia. And I talk about having such a difficult mom and then her not remembering any of it and how much we want and I'm sorry. And I had to forgive and let go and understand that that I'm sorry was never going to happen. Wow. Yeah. Now Eric wants to be mean. <laughs> oh, send Ken those mirrors. <laughs> wow. That is not nice. I should block him from watching now. Well, so, it's super funny. As women, we get a few more tools to hide our wrinkles and bags. I know. Yeah. I, I have a friend, uh, a client of mine that is a she's a, do a doctor, and she's like, you know, I can. I can do, do Botox for you there. I'm like, no, I'm I'm good. Um, so, so you um, did now? Did you live in California? And your mom like drew, no. flew to Vegas or? No, yeah, my so when I was little, I was my mom's second set of kids. Um, oh. I think my biological father was her third marriage. Okay. Um, who I, I never knew him. He left early on, which was a good thing. Um, and then my mom's fifth marriage was the dad who became my dad. Yeah, I was wow. like six and he adopted us, both my brother and I. And um, they had their situation. My parents, they definitely had the alcoholic fueled rages. But I will tell you, I'm very blessed that he was my dad because he was my stabilizing force in my life. Um, and then my parents moved from um, Los Angeles area to Oregon. So went to Oregon. My mom was an amazing businesswoman. I give her that. She could sell ice cube to a snowman and have the family buy the ice cubes. And <laughs> so she started buying businesses like uh, motels, restaurants, gas wow. stations, marinas. And we kind of moved every two years. And that was actually my whole life. Wow. Um, so even though we weren't in the military, I moved a lot. And um, there's some negative pieces to that. I mean, we've all know that stability is important, but I also learned to change really easy and adapt to make new friends. My gosh. Wow. So how, how many times did you move as a kid? Do you know? Probably 14 times, about that many times. Yeah. Um, I stayed in one school from sixth grade to my junior year in high school that we moved within the area. And that was the first time I'd ever been anywhere in, in one place that long. And then as yeah. an adult, I lived on in a house for seven years once. And I was like, I have never lived in one place this long. <laughs> um, so yeah super funny yeah. but you learn a lot in that my, my childhood was um, one of those things when people read the story and they're like wow that really happened to you and of course I only put in this much yeah, um, yeah. 
because there was a lot of drama and trauma. Yeah. And I, my twin brother was part of that trauma. He um, turned into the person we used to hide from. Uh, mm. my, my mom and dad or my mom's other marriages, they were very tumultuous. And my brother and I would um, hide together and try to protect each other. But ultimately, when we were teenagers, he turned into that person we used to hide from. So he was no longer my best friend. And I talk about that in my book, The Forgiveness Solution. I always get it backwards. It's right there. Um, <laughs> there it is. So I talk about that. That's the reason this book even exists is because of my twin brother. Wow. So so your twin brother turned into an alcoholic, rageaholic, mm. um, very violent. He tried to kill our family. He um, put guns to our head. He um, broke my dad's ribs. They, I mean, there was a lot of drama. My uh, yeah. So wow. Yeah, not something I, you know, kids should go through. Yeah. And he went through even more abuse than I did. Um, mm. I was kind of the kid who kept to myself, did my own thing, tried to stay away after six o'clock when the vodka was flowing, I just stayed in my room. But my wow. brother ended up engaging more and causing even more drama. And be probably because we were premature babies, he had um, uh, more mental issues than I did. I didn't get that problem. And he had some educational issues probably due to us being so premature. Wow. Yeah. So, so you, you guys went through it and, and by the way, I can relate to everything you're saying. Um, and so you really went through a lot of crap. Um, and we shouldn't have to go through that, but, it's not but the, it's I, not the, um, it's not the best recipe for healthy lifestyle later. Do you find though, and, and I may be getting ahead a little bit, but that's okay. We can come back. Um, do you find, you know, I went through a lot of craziness too and, and violence and all of that. And, and, and so I remember for the longest time I drank at that. I mean, I would drink and drink and drink and drink, just trying to numb the pain. Um, and then eventually as I got into recovery and learned that forgiveness is the number one. Resentment is the number one offender for alcoholics or addicts, right? It's the number one offender. And and so if you're going to stay sober long-term, you have to forgive, not just others, but yourself too, right? And so do do you find yourself thinking now, I'm kind of glad I went through all that because it made me who I am today. Yes, you find the blessings in yeah. the, you know, in the bad. You find the blessings. And that is a skill that we actually have to learn. Um, and it's something I do more, uh, a lot of the NAMI, the, you know, family issues, because I didn't get the addiction piece, um, but I still didn't get, get out scot-free. I still had yeah. very um, bad behavior. Um, I, I started down the married many times uh, path, like my mother, even 
even though I kept saying I'm not my mother, I'm not my mother, but sure enough, I was doing the same thing, looking for yeah. other people on the outside to heal my inside. And, mm. it, and, and in turn, I picked badly because of that. And so yeah. all, ultimately, the reason I worked in I'm working in forgiveness, why I am a forgiveness expert is because I had decided that I needed to feel better. And the problem with forgiveness is that no one tells us how or even tells us what forgiveness really is. We're just told by religion and society, even Disney tells us to let it go, but no one tells us how. And so that's where I was stuck in the deep how I needed to feel better. So to back up a little bit, um, yeah, I had gone yeah. to seminary um, as my second career. I used to work in corporate healthcare, medical device, that type of thing. And I also worked with people who were dying. And so I decided to go back to seminary and become a reverend. I really wow. thought that I would be a hospice chaplain or something. Wow. And then, you know, God laughed and said, oh, no, no, I have you here for a whole different reason. And I did. It's just lots of times we go into programs thinking we're going to help others. Well, ultimately, we're healing ourselves. And I did a lot of work on myself in seminary. But then wow. I graduated from seminary. I was ordained. I felt quite shiny, like, you know, like, <laughs> sure, I walked on water. Right. And um, Ultimately, um, something deep and, and sad happened in my life was I got a phone call and it was my twin brother. You know how you look and you go, ooh, yeah, I'm not going to answer mm. that, right? Because yeah. my twin brother and I pretty much had nothing to do with each other as adults. I had put quote, boundaries around yeah. my life. And um, he was still an alcoholic, a rageaholic. He had beat up his wife. He had... Um, just he Jeez. drank a lot. I mean, and he used prescription drugs on top of that. And he was just difficult. Mm. And I didn't want anything to do with that. So ultimately, he called and I was like, nope, nope, not going to answer. Now, for the people out there that are of a certain age, they know that if your cell phone rings, fine. But then if your home line rings, you yeah, have the actual hard line millennials are like, what? <laughs> What's that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So uh, my phone rang immediately after. And we all know that if two phones ring, there's a problem. Yeah. So this time I picked it up and it wasn't my brother. It was actually his wife. And he um, she said to me, she said, it's too late. And she was hysterical on the other end. And she said, it's too late. He's already gone. The ambulance is on the way, but he's he's dead. And oh my God. I was, yeah. So my twin brother took his own life oh. and, um, it was, it, it was a moment that I used to like think about once in a while. Cause I, it wouldn't a surprise that he took his own life, but it, or it would have been surprised if he had had a heart attack and died. He was not a healthy human, yeah. um, didn't take care of himself. Um, but I used to think that it wasn't going to send me into that deep grief that I had with other family members and friends that had died. But it did. It sent me into the grief. I was really familiar with grief. My sister had passed of cancer. A brother had passed of cancer. My mother wow. died of Alzheimer's. My um, adopted father died. Um, I was pretty used to grief. I got it. Um, but then 
this hit me even harder because you know why? I was still waiting for him to turn into my best friend, to yeah. turn into the brother he was supposed to be. I had right. expectations that were never fulfilled, which caused my deep, deep unforgiveness. Yeah. And so here I was again, remember when I mentioned I was all shiny and ordained and thinking that yeah. I sh should get this stuff, right? Yeah. But I didn't, Ken. I didn't get it. And wow. so it sent me into deep research. I mean, I just gotten out of a couple of years of school. So I was like, I'm going to go back into this. And really, most of the time, we're doing it for our own reasons. We want to solve our own problem. And my problem was sadness, pain, and unfulfilled expectations. And I wanted to feel better. Yeah. And that's when I uncovered what forgiveness really is and what it's really not. And I invented the forgiveness algorithm, the step-by-step -step process to let it go. And I did a small talk on it and it was packed with people. And guess what those people had? They had the same problem I did. They were yeah. either upset at their ex, right? I mean, yeah. seriously, I hear, I want to forgive my ex, but I don't know how. I want to forgive my family. I don't know how. And when it really came down to it, it was unfulfilled expectations and that some people don't have the will or the skill to meet our expectations. Yeah. And through my research and my own healing, I am able to help others let it go and use forgiveness as a tool in their everyday life. That is awesome. So, so that that really is that that's that's amazing, and I, I I it's the most important. I think it's the most important thing that you can do as a human being is learn how to, you know, let go of like my buddy John Harrington on here, unfulfilled expectations. The Browns. <laughs> He's, He's talking about the football team. Oh, well, so, there's, yeah, see, we have expectations of everything. Yeah. From sports teams to politicians yeah. to our neighbor, to our spouse, our family members, and ourselves. And the problem is some of us don't have the will or the skill. Now, I'm not sure. Is the Browns a skill situation? The feeling they probably had the will, but they didn't have the skill <laughs> to win. Right. That's that's quite possible. Eric is buying your book because you're awesome. P.S. My ex is a P.O.S. <laughs> oh, my God. So, so, Eric, can I help you? Can you let me know? No forgiveness given bit? to that devil. <laughs> you Don't have to be willing, right? There has well, to be. That's part of the deal, but how about forgiving yourself for picking them in the first place? Right. So there's a whole bunch of deep lessons in forgiveness that help us live a happier, healthier life because we have to take a personal responsibility for our part. Even with my brother, it's not my fault that he was an alcoholic. It wasn't my fault that he was a rageaholic, but I'll tell you what was my fault. Being extremely unkind, mm. um, saying things behind his back, yeah. letting everybody know what a horrible human he was. Because you know what, Ken, if he was a horrible human, what was I? A better one. <laughs> and I wanted everybody to know that because that came from my own pain oh. and anger, right? Because if, <laughs> if the other person is wrong, then we are right. 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 Correct. We love yeah. to be right in the in in this world. We love to sue so that we can be right. We love to pick the right team, the right politics, the right 
everything because if we're right, then others are wrong. And I needed to take my personal responsibility in my own piece of the problem because you know what yes what he did was not okay that's the part about forgiveness it's not saying what happened was okay what they did was okay or letting them out of justice either social consequences just because you forgive them doesn't mean you need to have them over for dinner that's right or legal justice. If there's a legal situation, then it needs to be handled that way. That is yeah. not your responsibility. Let the courts handle that. And um, that that's for them, not for you. Forgiveness for you is letting go of pain, anger, and unfulfilled expectations because you know it's all happening inside your heart, mind, and soul. So if you want to feel better, forgiveness is so important. And personal responsibility is part of it. And, and I, I would even venture to say, expand on what you just said. And I'm sure that you already do. But, you know, um, everything, not just feeling better, but like success pursuit of dreams that you may have that may be even hidden until you forgive whatever it is you need to forgive, whatever you need to pull an Elsa on and let it go. Yeah, <laughs> right? I, I, I promise you I will not sing let it go. But I do, I have, a, I do have a cool microphone that sings it for me. But, <laughs> but ultimately our confusion about what forgiveness really is and is not, like the, the person who talked about their ex, right? Yeah. We It's so hard to forgive when somebody is supposed to be something to us or do something for us, especially when they stood up in front of a group and made a vow to do it and then yeah. they didn't so it's very very difficult and i want to help people let that go learn learn from why they chose because they really did believe the person was going to be that person um or could be that person but ultimately our expectations um get in the way so yeah. um yes forgiveness is for us to have peace exactly it is but it's also a tool that we have been given now you can use whatever word you want for me it's god god's big in my life you know i have that whole reverend thing going on but uh, whether it be universe, whatever it is, that you need to know that forgiveness is something that we've been given to use so that we can have a happier, healthier life. We can learn from our past mistakes and we can forgive ourselves. Amen. Wow. Yeah. Yes. And the church all said. Amen. <laughs> Woo. That's, that's so awesome. I, I think, and I, you know, what's weird is I talk a lot about this. I talk a lot about this because I truly think that, and I haven't read your book yet. I'm going to, um, but you know, I, I truly believe that this is the key to life. I, I mean, it really is like you have no idea, it, 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 you know, if you're stuck in that, Eric, <laughs> if you're stuck in that and you're not forgiving people or yourself, it's, it's going to cause problems in your life. 
Right. So I would love to give your amazing audience a little tip, a little helper, so that okay. they can let it go literally today. Wow. Ready? Are, you, are you ready? Are you ready? Let's Ken? do it. Yeah. Okay, let's do this. All right. So I want everybody and uh, the gentleman, what was his name? Eric? Was it Eric? Yeah. Um, I want you to think of the person that you are struggling with because of what they did, said, or should have been to you, right? Whoever it is out there, every one of you, I want you to think of a person that has let you down, a person that has hurt you and not lived up to your expectations, even though they should have. And this could have been a parent, a family member, a sibling, a ex, a friend, somebody, even an ex-boss that you thought they were going to be the best boss ever, and then they weren't. All right. So everybody have that person in their head right now? Okay, great. Yep. Okay, great. Now I'm going to ask you two questions. Did this person have the will? Did they want to, at the time, live up to what you expected of them? So did they have the will? When they stood up and married you and said, I'm going to be everything to you, do you think they had the will? I yep. happen to know that my, I'm going to use my twin brother in, in this case. My twin brother, I happen to know, wanted to be my brother. He wanted a relationship with me. He had the will. All right. So my next question to you is, did they have the skill? Now, what I mean by that is, did they know how? Did they have a good example of what that looked like from their past? Did they have situations that caused them to not be able to, even though they wanted to, they couldn't. Now this could have been a mental health issue, addiction, um, just sometimes it's bad character for real, like really just doesn't have the DNA to do what they said they were going to do. Right. Right. So some people start out with the will. They really want to very common in love or relationship or a parental relationship, you know, when they hold that little baby and they're thinking doctor, lawyer. And then by the time you hit teenager, they're like, I'm out. Like, this isn't good. Very common in with parents who leave. For I, for example, my biological father, he did not, he had the will. When I was born, I happened to know for a fact that he was excited to be a father. But, but due to his own addiction issues, he didn't have the skill. I've learned since that his own upbringing was pretty rough. He didn't even have good examples of what a father looked like. So he left. He literally lost his will. Now, super important for me to say that again. Some people start out with the will, don't have the skill, and lose their will. So mm. no longer can you expect from them what you once did. Wow. So now you have more information than you did before, right? You understand yeah. that they come from a different space and place. However you seem to view it, whether it's a lack of character, um, addiction issues, lack of good teaching, whatever it is, now you know that you are in charge of adjusting your expectations. So forgive them and move on and learn from it. So next time you run into somebody today, and it could be somebody at the grocery store or maybe a waitress at a restaurant, 
something, ask yourselves, do they have the will and do they have the skill? And if they don't adjust your expectations, this is the authority of forgiveness that you have in your own heart, mind, and soul. And let it go and understand that they don't have the will or the skill. You know, uh, that that's so amazing. I, I, it, it brings back a memory of me driving down the road with, I, I also went to Al-Anon for codependency. <laughs> so uh, I'm a recovered codependent as well. But, but I, I remember my, my sponsor who was like 40 years sober and like, he's been sober longer than God. And, and, and he's, he's a Buddhist and, and I, yeah. I was going into like, you know, like, you don't understand. She said, blah, 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 blah. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm giving him all of these reasons that I'm justifiably pissed off at her. And, and he's like, um, when you get home, I would like you to look up the words righteous indignation. <laughs> we love righteous. And we I love said, what the heck? Right. what's that mean? He goes, you're going to find out, look it up. Righteous indignation. Just look it up. And I was like, ah, so, you know, when, when it, so we try to justify it's, it's what Jesus said in the Bible, like remove the, the plank from your own eye before you try to remove the splinter from someone else's. Right. Like, it, I agree with that. Absolutely. We all mess up and that's a great way to forgive yourself, understanding you're a human being and you mess up and yeah. you wouldn't do that ever again. And so forgive yourself, let it go because you yeah. learn from it. Yeah. But Lots of times when we are accusing others, it's because they really have done something wrong. Understand yeah. that forgiveness doesn't mean what they did was okay right. or that it was right. My brother's behavior was not okay. I could still forgive him, still not have a very close relationship with him, but take responsibility for my actions, which is talking badly about him, um, not giving him some kindness when it wouldn't have hurt me to be kinder. Right. Yeah. So ultimately it is, oh, forgiveness is a cleaning mechanism for the soul. Absolutely it is. But how do we set ourselves up to not be in an unforgiveness situation again is anytime you're entering a new relationship, whether it be with a friend or a business or whatever, is to be clear about your expectations and ask the person. So can't say, you know, you and I are new best friends, right? We're, we're going to yeah. head out. Say I expect from you certain things in a friendship. I might actually have that conversation with you now, something I would have never done. I would have just assumed that you would have shown up on my doorstep with cookies if I didn't feel good. And blah, 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 blah. <laughs> right. But maybe that's not how you roll, right? Right. But, so it's very clear to have uh, clear expectations in a love relationship, friend relationship. Um, we do it at work, right? We sign contracts all the time that yep. says this, this, and this shall happen, or yep. this, this, and this should happen. Yeah. And if you don't like it, then you probably shouldn't enter into this contract. Right. So we need to have those expectations and conversations with everybody in our life. And, and, I, I agree with everything you just said. And I would add flexibility because I, I think that it's very difficult, especially in a love relationship. 
um, which is probably where most unforgiveness comes from, <laughs> right? Yeah, so, most of it. Yeah, so, absolutely. In, in a love relationship, there's no way you can can put a contract together and say, okay, here's my expectations on every single level because little things come up and you're like, right. oh God, we forgot about that in the prenuptial right. agreement. <laughs> you know, right. So and it's I about conversation. It's about yeah. And if you learn how to have these conversations at the beginning, it's easier throughout a, a love relationship. I know in my third very happy marriage, um, super happy in my third marriage, That's it awesome. was about having those conversations. And we still have it. We've been married about 15 years. And it is definitely something that we have to have. Oh, this is what I expected. I, I, I guess I didn't ask you. I just assumed. And you know what yeah. assuming does, right? We're not supposed to assume for reasons because they're on a whole different thought train plan whatever so i mean even this weekend we went and got our christmas tree and i just assumed that we were leaving at a certain time because i wanted to get there get it done get it back and yeah. my my husband had a whole different idea <laughs> right and none of it either one was right or wrong it just was different and yeah. so as soon as we realized that we were on a whole different plane we compromised and kind of split the time difference so yeah. ultimately that's um what should happen in a healthier relationship stop taking everything so personally it's not about you you know it's usually in our own brains and hearts that we're running stories and also my husband knows that i came from a family that didn't work well together and right. so ultimately i have some stuff that still rumbles and comes up right yeah. Yeah. And so, and so he came from the Beaver Cleaver family, and let me tell you, I don't even recognize it, right? I'm like, <laughs> you mean you guys actually didn't scream at each other at Christmas right. and throw stuff at each other? Like, right. like so. got drunk and started no, a fight. And... None of it. Like, none of that. Right. Right. right? So. Yeah. So ultimately, it's super important that you understand that forgiveness is a tool you can use every single day. And you can ask yourself, does this person have the will? Do they want to? Because sometimes, hey, we're human. We just don't want to. I know I have a lot of boys. I have five boys. They are not up for picking up their stuff off the floor. They're not up for taking out the trash. Nothing. They just plain old don't want to. But over time, you can teach them like, okay, this is my expectation. Oh, okay, great. I can meet that or I can't meet that. And then I can say, and I can meet your expectation or, or you're going to get grounded. Right. So ultimately, <laughs> right. right. So ultimately it is about will and then skill. Do they know how? Does the person in your life or did the person in your life know how to be the best spouse, friend, brother, parent? Did they know how or did something get in their way? And we've talked a lot about recovery, right? Yeah. When somebody is suffering from an addiction, um, it is very difficult for them to fulfill other people's expectations, even if those expectations are perfectly normal. Yeah. So it is not your responsibility to change them. It is your responsibility to change your expectations. Amen. My gosh. So, you know, I think, and, and that's why I, in recovery, they say, um, especially in the first, they say a year, but I'm going to say the first five years, don't get into a relationship, especially with somebody in recovery, because 
the dynamic, and, and this is a segue into a question I wanted to ask you. The dynamic is you have two really screwed up people trying to, to put the responsibility of your happiness on the other person. Right. And, and so the expectations are insane and, 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 and the ensuing relationship becomes insane. But I only say that from experience, by the way. So, but like, what about the, the people that, because I've, I've, you know, I'm, I'm happily, very happily married 11 years now on my fourth marriage. Um, but this time it, it's, it seems to be working out most of the time. Um, but, but the, um, what about when another human being is their expectations, no matter how insane they may be their their expectations are for the other person to fix me, make all my problems better, you know, make me happy. Like it's your job to make me happy. And if you don't do your job, then I'm going to be very unhappy. What about that situation? Because I think that's incredibly common. It's super common and we all do it, by the way. So don't, yeah. it, not, I don't want people out there beating themselves up for, for expecting that or in a failed relationship, you can look back and, and do, yeah. I mean, we, we all do this. So it's common to have someone on the outside. We want them to fix our inside. Now, sometimes that does actually happen a little bit. If you're in a good loving relationship, it's yeah. super healing. I happen to know that even as a parent, I've been able to heal my inside by parenting my children the way I wanted to be parented, show up for them, um, you know, do all the things. So it helped heal the little girl in me that didn't get that. So we can do that a little bit, but let's be super honest. Our pain, our hurt, our wounds are, are ours and we need to do the work to get that done so that we can show up for the other person in our yes. life and our kids and our friends in a healthier way. We also have to know what triggers us. I happen to know that if someone drank in my house every day, that would be a trigger. I can tell you that if we were new friends and every time I was with you, you got toasted and you know couldn't walk, I would literally, that would be a problem for me. And I would say that to you. I'd say, this is my expectation. And I wouldn't be preaching to them about what they think they should do and change, yeah. because that's the other thing. We love to tell people how we think they should change. Right. Because because, but it really needs to be their idea. I mean, no one's ever yelled at me for 20 minutes and had me change my mind about it. <laughs> so politics or right. otherwise, right? Yeah. So ultimately, it's important that we heal ourselves, that we know ourselves. And there is some maturity in that. Yeah. There's a, a big piece of that. And a lot of people don't want to do that work. It's hard. It is, it's no fun when you're going through it. But I'm telling you, and Ken, you know this, right? Yeah. On the other end, it's pretty awesome. It's amazing. Yeah. And I don't think people realize um, Joe says, so should I forgive Ken for not letting me in his top 100 friends? <laughs> That's between you two. I'll let you have that expectation conversation later. Uh, I love that. See, I love that. But, but I think that, and Joe, he's in my top at least 50, <laughs> but I think that, man, what a great topic. So, so talk about the, cause I know, I mean, we're both 
we're both authors and yep. crappy to happy. There right it is. here. Right there. Yep. Yep. There it is. So talk about first, um, what is your story in here? I haven't read it. See, I can be honest today too. You can be honest, and I'm not going to hold it against you because we also all know that life is lifey sometimes. And right now, yes. 2020, that's all 2020's theme is lifey, lifey. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. so, so in, in the story, in the book, I talk about my mother. So we've mm. heard a little bit about her. She was beautiful. Betty Time, I am telling you, stunningly beautiful, extremely talented. Um, she had a Whitney Houston voice. And wow. unfortunately, that's all she really knew of value for herself. Um, she came from a time where women were more based on not on their brain power, but on how they looked. And she got a lot of attention for that. And she worked in the entertainment industry, which it was so important to look good. So yeah. she got a lot of male attention. That was where she felt her power came from. And then also her addiction issues, her alcoholism. So ultimately, I talk about her and at end of life for her, which was a super powerful time. My mom um, developed dementia, Alzheimer's, and mm. over five years lost most of her memories. She, well, good thing, Ken, she lost, she forgot about the six husbands, who left her, who cheated on her, what man did this and that, you know, to stay wow. angry, you have to remember why you're angry. So for us, Alzheimer's was a bit of a blessing. But wow. something that we haven't really touched on is our desperate need for an apology. We want people to apologize for their bad behavior. Because what does that do? Immediately, they're admitting they are wrong, that they yeah. hurt you. And that means that you were right. So we love an apology, but our most of our apologies have buts in them. Yeah. Most, most of them have, but I was this, this, or this, right? Yeah. Well, I had to give up the idea of an apology for my mother, for my childhood, for the pain, all that kind of stuff, because she couldn't even really acknowledge it. She didn't acknowledge it really when she was lucid in her mind because she didn't apologize to anybody for anything ever right. uh, because that would have meant that she was wrong and that felt like a character flaw to her yeah. and she didn't understand the strength of a good apology so i teach a good apology i teach the fact that we need to take responsibility for ourselves but in the book i talk about how one day i was visiting her at her facility which was around the corner from my house and she was in a wheelchair at the time because she had just started recovering from the really bad flu and she looked up at me and she had my hand in her hand and she said are you misty and i said i am mom i'm misty and she said i love you and wow. it was see it even it chokes me up to this day because even though she used to tell me she loved me, I never doubted that my mother loved me. Wow. But at that moment, it was pure. It was the most healing I love you ever. And I no longer looked at her as the damaged, sad woman that she truly was. Um, I looked at her as a human who needed love back at a, at a time in her life that was so deeply fragile. She was wow. scared. It's a myth that you don't know that you don't know. You wow. do know that you don't know. And so she was scared. And it 
it was a moment of healing because I could heal myself by being the best person for her, even though she wasn't always the best person for me. I have chills, by the way. Um, that is, um, first and foremost, that's like so spiritually mature for you to recognize that and see that. Well, that was the blessing, you know, like I, like we go into programs thinking we're going to learn to help others. You know, my mom um, went downhill during seminary. I could not have been in a better place to wow. be surrounded by other loving people to, um, to go through that with. And right before I was graduated and ordained, my mother actually died. And oh earlier, my. earlier in the year, you have to, uh, this is the second year seminary. So you're you're, you have to pick a ceremony that you have to really go through and you have to write it and the whole thing. And um, I had chosen the funeral and it was all the way in the February of the next year. So my mother died and I was actually able to give my funeral for my mother to my whole class. So wow. that's a God thing. You know, God had wow. me pick funeral way back at the beginning of the year in September. So I could do it in February and be surrounded by loving beings. Oh that's a God thing. And wow. so ultimately I had done so much work and that's why it's okay. Ken, how many times have you heard from people? I'm not going to counselors. I'm going to pull myself up by those bootstraps, <laughs> especially certain generations. Like yeah. we don't, do that right and, I, and i've yeah. never been able to buy those bootstraps somebody tell me where they are but ultimately and lots of men yeah. won't go to counseling and i don't mean to pick on your um gender but lots of men won't go You're to counseling, right right You're so right. i had gone to counseling i had been in seminary i was in a healthy mm -hmm. marriage all those things before that quote spiritual maturity could really happen wow that is so powerful so so at what point, when did you write this, this, the book that's back there? On, that one. Do you have that a one. copy that you can grab yeah. and hold up I for do. everybody? Right here. It's very oh, colorful. And I promise it's funny. There's funny stuff in here. Because the last thing you need when you're working through some hard stuff is to sit there and cry about it all the Look time. Look at the beautiful pages. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. There's a lot of fun. And I promise there's the forgiveness algorithm, which has actually been trademarked. And it's wow. a step-by-step -step process to help you let it go. And in there, I promise you, you will giggle a little bit. It's it, There's some humor in here. Um, I wrote the book. Um, Six months after my mom died is when I got that phone call and that my brother had taken his own life. Oh, my gosh. And so I had felt um, like I had gotten through my mom thing pretty well because I was blessed enough to be the one to help her at end of life. So that's a there's a lot of work done in that time. So then after my brother died mm. is when I was like stuck in that unforgiveness. And when I was solving it for myself and realized I wasn't the only one that had unforgiveness issues. Actually, if you're over 12, you have <laughs> unforgiveness issues with something, somebody or yourself. Yeah. And so that's when a dear friend had a random ticket to a writer's conference. So I'm a, I'm a public speaker. That's what I do. Obviously, you can tell words yeah. are not my problem. <laughs> so, but but writing, I was super afraid of. And a friend, another God moment for me, a friend said, hey, um, 
there's this conference for writer, a writer's conference. I really think you should go. I can't go take my ticket. And I ended up sitting in front of an agent that was the number one um, nonfiction or fiction agent, self-help agent in the nation. Wow. And all I said was, um, I was talking about forgiveness and he told me a story about when he was a teenager and his father had come into his room and said a nice speech to him and he didn't quite understand it. His dad went out to the garage, picked up a gun and, and shot his head off. Mm. And he, and I said to him, I said, I bet you expected your father to be a different father. And he said, yes. And he said, we could talk about forgiveness all darn day because everyone wow. needs it. And that's how it started. And so then I hunkered down, Sacred Stories picked me up and I didn't even have the book written scariest wow. moment of my life and so i had to hunker down and get it done and i'm super proud of it hold, hold that up so we can see the whole thing wow look at that that is and what a beautiful cover thanks okay let's be truthful i had a millennial graphic artist uh update my world and she did amazing <laughs> graphics all I mean, everywhere so serious bright and shiny and lots of fun. I promise, I promise. And there's a lot of what I call avatars of me in here. And I sit next to you and I make funny faces and um, <laughs> yeah. So, and I, and I have a lot of misty isms in here, like, you know, no longer expect what you once expected, right. stuff like that. So yeah. That is so awesome. So here's well, the two right here. What was the, Ooh. yeah, here. What was the, um, for the, the forgiveness solution, uh -huh. what was the moment? Do you remember the moment that you went, I have to write a book? Yes, I do. And it was when I had put the algorithm on a piece of paper and I did a quick little talk and there were so many people in the room and it was one right after another who kept saying, Oh, but I have a brother. Oh, I have an ex. Oh, my grandfather molested me. I mean, literally serious things that aren't funny, even right. though I promise there's funny stuff in here. It, it isn't funny. Bad things right. happen to good people and it's really irritating. And it's even worse when good things happen to bad people. And so how do you answer that? How right. do you answer that? How do you wrap your brain around something that doesn't seem possible? Well, I give you a few tools and that's when I knew I had to write the book. That is so amazing. That's amazing. And um, so you haven't done any speeches in 2020, I'm assuming. I have. <laughs> been, I've been this big, though, online. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I have. I do a lot of conferences, believe it or not, in marriage conferences. Uh, adoption adoption agencies have me speak because, you know, uh, like all parents, we have expectations of our child. Like I said, you know, you're thinking doctor, lawyer, and then hit teenager, we're hoping law-abiding citizen. In, right. So right. how we move through life. Well, when people adopt children, lots of times the children come with other stuff behind them. And we um, mistakenly yeah. have I have two adopted kids. Um, we wow. we have um, 
this idea that they're going to just forget all of that and come into just, we're just going to be perfect. And it's going to be amazing. Yeah. So there's some more layers. So I talk about that. And then I also talk about end of life. I work in with hospice and I teach end of life providers how to have a forgiveness conversation at end of life, because there is even a study, Ken, that talks about the fact that when a person at end of life is able to work that out, whether it's forgive themselves or forgive somebody else, have those conversations, they will have a better quality of life at end of life. And the people who are left behind will have a better grief experience. And who wouldn't want that? I know that's exactly what I was looking for after my brother took his life. My gosh. So those, those are who I talk to. So if anybody needs me, please let me, let me talk to your group. I need to connect you with a client of mine that um, she's a nurse practitioner, but all she does, every sing, all, all of her patients are in nursing homes, every oh. one of them. And, and during COVID, she's lost a lot. Um, but, you know, she has these, these end of life conversations with families every single day. And I think you guys, you'd love, you'd love each other. I know you would. We would definitely geek out at end of life stuff yeah. because oh, there's yeah. so much goodness there. I would yeah. say that if you have the gift of being able to work with somebody at end of life, I will tell yeah. you that they will do more work in that small period of time than they've done their whole life. That is, and I believe that to be true. I believe it to be true. So let me ask you a question. What do you think? I, I think I, I have a feeling. I I know what you're going to say, but I could be wrong. Um, you know, and I don't want to make this all about money, um, mm. but money is <laughs> important in life. Um, and I, I, I had to let go of some old money beliefs I had. Um, but for the people who are stuck, what do you think the number one thing is that's holding people back from attaining financial success, spiritual freedom, joy, happiness? What, what, what do you think the number one thing? Oh, this is one of my favorite subjects. So because, because people- Don't say fear. Don't say fear. No, 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 I'm not going to say that. No, 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 no. I'm going to, I'm going to tell you exactly. So again, I went to seminary and I afterwards became a reverend and people thought I worked for just God points. (laughs) Newsflash. Nowhere in the Bible did God say that Jesus say that you were supposed to never get paid for your talent. So I think there is the fact that money is dirty. They think that money is dirty so that if I do a certain thing, make a certain amount of money, overcome maybe past poverty in family relationships, that kind of stuff. Because there is this um, a little badge that we wear sometimes in regards to our place in life. Like the people above us, oh, they're evil because they make money. Or the people below us, oh, they just don't work hard enough. So it is switching your brain a little bit to being understanding that the more money you make, the more money you can give. And also 
you can help more people, whether that be in your family or otherwise. Then it's super important to understand your blocks around money. My mom had lots of businesses. She either had money or had no money. We were either on food stamps or she was buying trailers or, you know, rings and things. So she yeah. didn't understand the importance and the power of saving money, of planning ahead, all of that. So when it comes to money, whether you work in the healing arts, you have the right to be paid for what you do. And the more money you make, the more you can help others. So if you are in the business of making money, like you have a, a regular corporate job and people don't mind you getting paid, believe me, you are doing the right thing because you are taking care of yourself, your family, and the world. So that's how the world rolls. Money isn't bad unless you are a bad person. <laughs> I love that. So, okay. So there, there's this, this story I tell once in a while about um, I, my wife, it was shortly after my wife and I met, we decided to open up an office together and, and we had, we ended up having some employees and, and everybody was getting paid, um, except for us. And, and this day, this one day, this guy walks into my office and he goes, um, Hey boss, um, there's some dude out in the parking lot looking in your windows of your SUV. And I said, well, tell him to get the hell out of here. What, what are you telling me for? And he's like, I would, but he has it blocked with his tow truck. And I'm like, Oh no, this isn't happening. And it was like the worst day of my life. I'll never forget. It was humiliating. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, asking an employee to give you a ride to the place where they repoed your car is really embarrassing. But, but, you know, there are a lot of people, especially in 2020, Misty, that, that are at the end of their rope. Suicide is at, is at yes. an all time high. Um, people don't know what to do. They're, they're obsessed with watching CNN, which I don't recommend. Um, they're obsessed with everything going on and they're not making it. What do you say to those people who are barely hanging on right now? Um, I'm so sorry, first of all, because 2020 has put a spotlight on many things, not just the money situation, right? but in every thing that we go through, we're learning. So you can ask yourself, is this going to scar me or am I going to learn this? So I know that I've had to pivot quite a bit. Like you said, I've had pretty much nothing happen in yeah. regards to what I used to be paid for. So it is about pivoting and planning. PP, pivot plan. So this is an opportunity to, to do more, learn more. I have been in your situation. And after my second divorce, um, I was counting quarters for milk yep. <laughs> and um, I was making six figures. But how was I so poor? It was self-responsibility. I sold everything I possibly could. Yeah. And I would take my check to the ca check cashing place. Right. You know, to get in advance. And they would look at my check and be like, do you have a gambling <laughs> problem? What's the deal? <laughs> right. Right. And right. I learned from that and it still hurts when I think about it, but I learned from that. I, I pivoted and learned to never be in that position again. And what that meant was, do I need it or do I want it? That was my question from that point on. Do I need it? Do I want it? And, um, 
I changed my spending habits. I also picked better. I did all the things. I took self-responsibility. So if you are stuck in 2020 right now, and I actually have a dear friend who has cancer, she's a young mom and she's used to making six figures, but this year she has had three cancer surgeries and hasn't been able to work. She sold everything. If she wasn't sleeping on it, it was gone. She rented her house so that she could make the payment and live. That is some hard decisions, but the growth that and the strength she knows she has through this, life-changing. So dig deep, even though it's hard. And by the way, you can be mad about it all you want. Yeah. Because that's the thing. We get really mad. Like that's why are good things happening to bad people and why are bad things happening to me? Because I'm the good person. Yeah. Right. It happens. It's, it's it's the up and down of life. But you can prepare for when this happens again, because life cycles. We don't always have an up. Sometimes we have a down. So first of all, I want to say I can't even imagine, except I can. Yeah. Yeah. I can imagine just like you can, Ken. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Getting your car towed is a biggie. <laughs> right. Huge. Yeah. I had it's foreclosure not- notice at my door. Like I was like, what? what I was embarrassed. I didn't understand and understand what happens in your home is about you and it's your personal life. It doesn't matter what anybody else outside your door thinks. You take care of your own house. Get it in order. Where can everybody follow you, Misty? So many places, right? All the social. Yeah. So um, on Facebook, I'm Misty Time, and that's with a Y, T-Y-M-E, right? On Instagram, Facebook, on my website, mistytime.com, and on the website, you'll find tons of free downloads. And hey, Eric, I'm still talking to you. I have a class on there, <laughs> How to Forgive Your Ex. Really, please. No, you don't. Yes, I do. No, you don't. Yeah, there's flying elephants and everything. So uh, that's called how to forgive your ex. I do. Yeah. (laughs) How to forgive your ex and how to forgive your family. And then what forgiveness is and is not, which is a free class. So go ahead and download that. And please, my either one of the books, please get them. They're on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, all the places. So, um, this one has tons of real life. How do you do it? The forgiveness solution. Crappy to happy has amazing stories like Ken's and mine and other people who show that they've been there, done that. You can too. That is awesome. Well, crappy to happy is already in my, um, Amazon store. I'm an Amazon influencer. I don't know if you know that. Um, I need to do an Amazon live with you so you can talk about your book to Amazon. I would love that because right now I, I, you know, it's our life is Amazon. It's the best thing ever. I'm sorry. I'm all in. And also reviews are super important. So I have, um, quite a few reviews up there. A lot of stuff, five stars, good stuff from people that I promise aren't my friends. That's awesome. <laughs> I I will will definitely set that up. So, um, and is all of your social media links are all of them on your website? Everything is on there. You can Perfect. get a hold of me if you have a group that needs me to speak, whether it's on Zoom or in person. Awesome. Um, whatever it is, please get a hold of me and take my classes. I'm yeah. seriously, they're 30 minutes of a lot of fun and good information and help you have a happier, healthier life in the holidays. Misty, you're awesome. Thank you Thanks. so you much. Thank you to everybody who's been on here and share this out. 
And if you didn't share it out, I'm going to have to work on forgiving you. <laughs> but remember, Ken, you're right. They're wrong. So share it. Oh, no. <laughs> share it out. Come on. Redeem yourself. Share this out. Thank you so much, Misty. You're amazing. Thank you for coming Thank on you. and sharing your story. And your vulnerability is 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 absolutely incredible. So thank you so much. Thank Stay you. with me. Don't hang up. I'm going to end the live stream, though. Thank you to everybody who's watched and shared it out. Have an amazing day. Thanks, Misty.